this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Galatians 2, uh, starting in verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't, wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from, the, from these people in, who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But, we suppose, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Amen. Thank you, Missy. Come on. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm not Pastor Mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, he's much prettier than I am. Uh, Pastor Mark and Miss Robin are uh, at a marriage conference. They're preaching and teaching there in Texas. So be praying for them. I think they're going to travel back either later tonight or tomorrow. And so uh, as they're teaching this morning, just keep them in your prayers, please. Um, and uh, so I have the uh, honor and the privilege to uh, bring just what God's been downloading to me. In fact, he's been downloading this this word to me for a few weeks, and we've actually been talking about it on Wednesday night with the students, and so um, I'm excited for what God's going to do. And, uh, it really was was uh, birthed out of this idea of, uh, well, I was, I'll just tell you, I was sitting down having breakfast with a student. Um, I left my backpack in his car because um, on Wednesday nights after church, uh, there's so many students that we, we go to Monterey's afterwards, and I didn't have enough room for my backpack. So I was like, hey, bro, throw this in your car and just remind me after Monterey again. Well, I forgot it. 
So I was like, well, I need it because uh, it has my life in that backpack. And so um, he lives in Carrollton. So I, I went down there for, to meet him for breakfast before he went to school. And we were just talking about life. And uh, it really, um, it really was, we were just talking about his, his life in school. And he, was, he started to talk to me about how hard it was to live a life for Jesus going to school today. That there's so much pressure. There's so much like, it's just not even acceptable or uh, for lack of a better word, cool to live a life for God in, in school today. And, you know, we thought that it was hard 10 or 15 years ago. Well, I, you know, imagine what it's like today. And so we were just talking about it. And this, this word came to me and I, I don't know if it was more for him than it was for me, but the word was, was compromise that, and, and I started to talk to him about how like, even though it's so easy to, to make a compromise, like, nobody would hold you accountable. Like, even to live as a hypocrite, like, that's kind of the standard. The, the standard is, well, yes, I, and everybody in Carrollton, everybody in, South, in Georgia, uh, yeah, I go to church, check the box. We're all hypocrites. Like, yes, I go to church, and yes, I would like to live a life for God, but I'm just going to compromise, and we'll, we'll, I'm going to talk to you about what that means. I think we all have an idea of what it means, but for, for him, it, it, it meant like just trying to fit in, trying to get along, to go along, trying to just survive this environment and this culture and how often we do it, and it would just be easy to compromise just for the sake of survival, not even to live a godly life, but just to survive the school year. It's And... and the thing is, is like, who would call him out? Who would, who would hold him accountable? Nobody. Nobody's going to hold him accountable because now compromising has just become par for the course. So let's pray, and uh, that's just kind of just setting it up. Like, I just want to talk about this idea of compromising and what it means. And I think the Super Bowl starts at 6.30, so I've got six hours, so... <laughs> Uh, just kidding. I'm hungry. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for my family here, and I thank you for Pastor Mark and Robin. God, I pray that as they're ministering in Texas this morning, God, you would speak with, through them with great authority and boldness, and that marriages would be restored and revived in the name of Jesus. God, we, we, we pray for our house today. God, I pray that the way that we've come in would not be the same way that we would leave, that we would leave feeling emboldened and empowered to own our 50 feet, our 50 feet in our house, our 50 feet in our workplace, our 50 feet at school, our 50 feet everywhere in between. God, help us to live a life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like, uh, even uh, I, ha my, I have a, uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, we all make these resolutions, right? Like, it's the thing we do in January. And I've decided that I am anti-resolution. Like, I don't want to make a resolution because what's going to happen by this time? It's January, it's February, what, 13th? By now, I've made a compromise. I've compromised with myself that, that I, ah, I've done good enough. I've made it a whole month. I've never made it a whole month before, but I've done it now, so uh, I can compromise. And, and so I got myself an accountability partner, a, a, a trainer, and he's actually in the room. And we were talking, I was like, uh, we're talking about uh, during meet and greet. I said, hey, are we going to go eat lunch after this? And they're like, oh, yeah. 
And um, they're like, oh, where do you want to go? And our spot is PJ's. And they have the best wings in Douglasville, uh, my opinion. <laughs> it's actually not my opinion. It's actually fact. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll just pray afterwards, right? But we always go there, and it's fried food. There's fried wings, fried French fries, fried rice. It's all fried food. And you just leave afterwards feeling like, I need a nap. <laughs> and not just because I'm tired, like, like the carbs and stuff. Like, you just feel nasty. But it's good going down, you know what I mean? And so I was telling I was like, hey, man, let's go to PJ's. And the guy who holds me accountable, he's like, no. I was like, Dude, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We need to have a treat, a, 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 a cheat day. You know, treat yourself. He's like, no. And I'm like, yes, come on, we need to. No. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But isn't it funny, like, how, like, for me, I don't know about you, but for me, like, I'll spend five minutes in the gym, like, dude, I did that thing. Dude, five minutes in there. I need to treat myself. Like, I can have a donut, right? <laughs> Like a donut's not that many calories. And then you put it into the little calorie counter, like, dang, 900 calories for one Dunkin' Donut. And Dunkin' Donut's not that good. <laughs> it's like dry and crusty. And you're like, eh, I deserve it anyway. We compromise with ourselves. I compromise with myself. You know, the word compromise means to make a concession, or I'll use the word deal, to come to an agreement. And it's one thing to, to come to a compromise with another human being. Like if you're trying to make a deal or a concession on a land uh, or a piece of property or a house or a car or something, that's one thing, to negotiate and to deal. Um, but it's an entirely another thing to make a compromise, make a concession, and make a deal within yourself. And that's really what I've been struggling with and what I've been convicted on. Like, because nobody else but Ryan and God know about the deal, know about the concession, know about the bartering and the trading. And, and nobody else but Ryan knows about the compromise, which is really, really dangerous because if you think about it, in any deal, whether you're making a compromise and a deal on a piece of land or a car or some food or whatever the compromise comes to, to, to complete a transaction, to complete a deal, the word compromise itself has a negative connotation. Why? Because it means somebody's losing out. And most likely it's both parties. Both parties are usually losing out when a compromise is made. Now, we realize and we... When a compromise is made, we're, we're, we're calculating the risk to the reward, and the risk of losing something means that I'm trying to gain something else, and we've calculated that, well, it's worth it so that we can complete the agreement. We can complete the deal. We can make the transaction happen. But I've really just been convicted, and this is really just my therapy session, so thank you. And if you would like to give at the end of service, I'm just playing. Just buckets. It won't go to me. <laughs> uh, that the most dangerous concession, the most dangerous deal, the most dangerous uh, compromise that I can make is with myself. 
man, how many times have I made a compromise with myself over and over and over and over again? In fact, I would just like to believe that that that's why I, sometimes I feel like I can't get any traction in my life with God, that I, that I feel like I'm just, I'm back here again. I've messed up again. I've let my temper get the best of me again. I've let, I've let my depression get the best of me again. I've let my addiction get the best of me again. Because over and over and over, I've made concessions. I made deals with Ryan. And this is how the deal usually goes. Well, you've worked really hard for God. Like, You've served a lot in the church. Man, you preach that message so good. Look at how many students that you have in your youth group. Oh, my gosh, you're doing so good. Oh, man, you, you give and you give and you give, Ryan. You owe it to yourself. Oh, man, you, you, you're so patient with that one person, with the next person. You could be a little less patient. You can make a concession. You can, you're allowed to make this deal because we're weigh, I'm weighing the, the risk versus the reward. And I've already rewarded myself because I've given it all away. And so if I take a little bit back, is anyone going to think anything less of me? No. Is anyone going to hold me accountable? They can't because it's the deal's with me. And by the way, we've gotten really good. I've gotten really good at making the concessions, making the compromises, because I know who to make a compromise around and who not to. Who's, in other words, who's going to hold Ryan accountable and who isn't? Which brings me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Peter, Paul is confronting Peter. Let's think of, before we get into Galatians 2, and thank you, Missy, for reading. Um, but Galatians chapter 2, let's think about this character, Peter. This is the dude who had enough faith to get out of a boat and walk on water. This is the dude who chopped an ear off and Jesus had to heal it. This is the dude who often spoke before he thought. This is the same dude who when Jesus resurrected, that God put in charge of the church. And then nine days later would preach the first message of the church post-Jesus, and 3,000 people would come to know Jesus. This is that dude, and now he's traveling around and preaching the gospel to Jewish people. So, I mean, he's not just some dude. Like, this is Peter. But Peter is still making concessions. Peter is still making compromises within himself because there is this divide between Jews and Gentiles. That Jews, who is Peter and Paul in this story, they are Jews, are still having to overcome this thought that I'm better than the rest of the world because that was really their mindset because I'm a Jew, I'm God's chosen per people, I'm part of the family, I'm in the lineage of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I, I, and I live in Israel, and I was born and raised there, I'm a part of the, the 12 tribes of Judah, that I have this, this, this superiority to the rest of the world which they call Gentiles. And I don't think Peter really thought this way. I think Peter was able to overcome this, like Paul. I think Peter was able to see every human being as an equal, that, 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 that he didn't really have these racist tendencies to Gentiles, maybe like most Jewish people did. 
But Peter is making a compromise in this story. And Paul is holding him accountable. The compromise is, is that I just want to fit in. I don't want to stir the pot. I don't want to create a ruckus. I just want people to love me. So when I'm around Gentiles, I'm going to love Gentiles. When I'm around Jews, I'm going to hate Gentiles. And it creates confusion. And even we see in the story that it causes a, an offense. It causes somebody named Barnabas to have a stumble, to, to, be, to be confused. That this young believer, Barnabas, who is looking up to Peter and to Paul, is confused by the way that Peter is acting. Why? Because Peter has made a compromise. He hasn't even made a deal with the Jews or the Gentiles or with Paul uh, or with anybody. My belief is that Peter has made a compromise within himself. That if I just, when I'm hanging out with the Jews, I'm going to diss the Gentiles. And when I'm hanging out with the Gentiles, I'm going to love them like there's no tomorrow. But where Peter miscalculated is that when these two worlds would collide. And they collide through a, na- a man named Paul. <laughs> That's the problem. When Ryan continues to make compromises within my own life. While I go to the gym and I hang out with my gym accountability partner. Man, I'm pumping iron. Dude, Stevie, I'm eating real good. I'm eating clean. I'm eating good. But when I'm in the world of Ryan and I'm hungry and I stop by Chick-fil-A, well, Stevie will never know. He ain't going to know I had that number one with no pickles with a large. um, I refuse to call it a Sunjoy. That's just side note, side preach. Like, don't call it Sunjoy. Can we just stand in solidarity to not call it a Sunjoy? But when you go through the line of Chick-fil-A and you want half sweet tea, half lemonade, just call it what it is. Arnold Palmer, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, Sunjoy, that's from the devil. And I know it's God's chicken, but they've, they've messed up here. That was just a side sermon. That one was free. Arnold Palmer, the forefounder, forefather of half sweet tea, half lemonade. Can I get an amen? I don't get, Stevie, I haven't been going to Chick-fil-A that much so but what happens when the two worlds collide and Stevie shows up at Chick-fil-a and he's like what are you doing here and then I'm like well what are you doing here and he's like well I'm actually in better shape than you I'm like that's a fair point (laughs) (laughs) but when the two worlds collide when I'm at church and I'm acting one way but I'm at work Cussing up a storm. Why? Because I want to fit in. I want to be accepted. I've made a concession to say, well, I've got to, I've got to fit in. I've even made the concession that I've got to be all things to all men. All, I even bring scripture into it. I've made a concession with myself. I've made, I made a compromise. It's not even with the people around me. The most dangerous concession, the most dangerous thing that I can do is make it within myself. And I believe that's what Peter was doing here. He wasn't even compromising with anybody else. He was just compromising within himself. Why? Because he was just trying to preserve himself. 
And this is how Peter was, or, uh, yeah, Peter was trying to preserve himself through the law. What is, what is this law thing? You know, circumcised or uncircumcised, following God, Ten Commandments, Levitical law, eat bacon, don't eat bacon, get tattoos, don't get tattoos, uh, get divorced, don't get divorced. The law, right? The system. And that's what Peter was trying to live up to. Well, 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 look, I'm living up to the law. I'm living up to the system in which is in place that can measure how good I'm doing. The risk-reward factor. The risk of, well, look, I'm circumcised. Well, look, I'm not divorced. Well, look, I give a tenth of my income. Well, look, I go to church two times a month. Well, look, I read my Bible once a week. Well, look, I watch the Bible reading project. Oh, well, look, I love the banter. <laughs> Sorry. Well, look, I've gone to the gym. We've created a system in which we can measure how good we are doing, and that's what God intended it to be for. And yes, God, Jesus didn't come to abolish all of that. He came to fulfill it. And that's what Peter was living up to. Well, look, I'm living up to the standard so I can make a concession within myself. I can make a compromise here because I've lived up to this standard. Look at how good I'm doing. Look at how many checks that I've got. Look at how many gold stars and look at how, how little my demerits are. Yeah, I got a demerit uh, because I told Jesus he wasn't going to die on the cross, but that's all behind us now. Look, I'm living up to the standard. And how often do we as humans that will leave this place saying, well, look, I got up on Super Bowl Sunday and it was 25 degrees and I went to church. Check. <laughs> uh, me too. Check. I'll, uh, you know, even this, like, I was the first to arrive and the last to leave. Check. Look at how good I'm doing. The system of, of serving Jesus. So I'll take my little check mark later down the road this week and say, well, it's all right. It's all right to let your temper get the best. It's all right to, to watch a little porn. It's all right to, to, to fit in with the guys and talk like they talk. It's, it's all right. Like, check. And that's what Paul says. He says, not that's not what it's about. It's not holding up a system. It's not, hold, you know, for the Jewish people, it was all about the law, the Levitical law, the Torah, and knowing it. And they knew it. They knew it really, really well. They had it memorized, in fact. But let's bring it to Ryan in 2022. The systems that we've created. You know, we, I've talked about them, the, the system of coming to the church, the system of check Bible reading plan, check I've prayed for five minutes, I've prayed for my meal, I, I've lived a good moral life, I've, I've, I've done good things, I've managed some of my money pretty well, to, and I'm able to be charitable. The systems in which we live by today, so it's easy for Ryan to make a concession, but Paul says, no, 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 all of those laws, all of those systems you've created, don't build them back up, because if we build them back up, Jesus, what was it all for? He said, don't build that thing back up. Don't build the system back up. He said, if you build it back up and that's the standard you live to, you're going to live in bondage to that system. For Peter, it was the Levitical law. For Peter, it was circumcised versus uncircumcised. For Peter, it was, it was Jew versus not a Jew. And look, I'm living up to the standard. I'm still God's chosen people. 
I love you too, Gentiles. And for us, it's coming here on Sunday, dressing real nice, putting on a little cologne and giving my money and taking communion and reading my Bible a little. Those are the systems we've built up for today. But I just think I want to encourage you that this is what Paul lands on, that it's not about building a system. It's not about building something that we can live up to. Because the truth of the matter is, it is impossible to live up to any human system. And here's why. Human beings will always move the bar to something that's attainable. We will always move it to something that I can obtain. I can obtain five minutes at the gym. Hop over the bar. Ah, I can give $10 to God. Boop. Hop. And then you feel really good because you've bunny hopped over the bar. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've achieved. I've ran the good race. Boop. I've done so good, Jesus. Look at me. I'm even sweating a little. And then Jesus is like, it's not even what it's about. And I love, and this is where I want to land. I love how Paul ends. Alex, would you mind putting up verse 20, please? And in verse 20, this is what Paul says it's all about. This is what he, 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 he writes in calling out Peter. He said it's not about a rule. It's not about loving one group or another group. It's not even about... Paul doesn't even try to change Peter's actions, right? Because that's what really accountability, I'm going to change what you are on the outside. So that now, if I can change what you are on the outside, whenever Peter is around Paul, Peter's going to straighten up because my worlds are colliding. So Paul will never know again that I'm being racist towards the Gentiles and loving the Jews, but loving the Gentiles when the Jews aren't around. So when Paul comes around, no, 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 Paul doesn't address the action, he addresses the heart. And this is where I've just had to say, Ryan, do you really believe this? It says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. <laughs> my old self. Like, that, let's take that word crucify because you can run over it really quickly. Like, when the word crucify comes, of course, the image of the cross comes up. But crucified, being crucified was a painful, painful, painful way to die. In fact, it was so painful that the Romans had to invent a word to describe the kind of pain that would come from a crucifixion. The word was excruciating because when they stretched out a man on a cross that they would literally pull out his limbs and his arms and they would, they would stretch him on this cross and the word excruciating means to stretch out. My old self has been crucified. In other words, my old self, my systems, my, my bar hops, my achievements, my failures, my old self. My question to myself uh, since a few weeks ago has been, Ryan, 
Have you crucified, have you been crucified with Christ? Have you, have you, have you put those things, no matter how painful, have you put them on the cross? That addiction, no matter how controlling, have you put it on the cross? That old habit, no matter how much it is a part of your DNA, have you put it on the cross? Have you crucified it? Have you gone through the pain of putting it on the cross? And by pain, I don't mean like I need to to cut myself or mutilate myself. No, Jesus already did that. He was beyond recognition. But what I mean about is going through the process, the difficulty to, to be disciplined, to not make concessions within myself anymore. Because the next sentence is the promise. It is no longer I. Some translations reconfigure this sentence because it's structured weird. But I like the way this is kind of the original structure of Paul's writing and the way that he read it, that that he started with I. It is no longer I. In other words, it's no longer my pride. It's no longer uh, 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 preserving myself. It's no longer trying to fit in. It's no longer about my emotions. It's no longer about what I desire and what I want and what I dream. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer about what, taking a risk and reward factor. It's no longer about measuring whether I can do this and whether I've been a good person or a bad person or whether I've made the achievement or not made the achievement. It's not about me. It's not about whether I've held a resolution for uh, 12 weeks under the year or not. It's not about whether I've done a good job in church attendance. It's not about me. It's not about whether I've read my Bible and I've memorized the scripture every week. It's not about whether I've given any money in, to the church. It's not about whether I dress real cute and have good perfume on. It's not about uh, whether I'm successful in my career or unsuccessful. It's not whether uh, how I parent. It's not about how I, it's not about me. It's no longer Ryan who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and he gave myself for me. You know, it's funny, Ray, right? Like, uh, if you weren't here first service, Ray went ham, okay? Ray preached first service. And uh, he went into everything into from prostitution to CERN to the New World Order and everything. So you just got to go back and listen to it. It was wild. <laughs> very, very well done. Thank you, Ray. Uh... <laughs> But I love what Ray, the passage that Ray picked out, 1 Corinthians 6, right? At the end of it, it says that your body is not your own, but your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who gave himself for me in this verse 20, Galatians 2, he, when he gave himself for me, he, it was a price that he paid. In fact, the last thing that Jesus pronounced here on this earth the first time that he was here, before he gave up his spirit on the cross, it was, it is finished, which was a term that meant it is paid in full, that, that, that the bill that was due was paid in full. So if it is Christ that lives in me, no longer me that lives, but Christ that lives in me, 
then my life is not my own. My body is not my own, but is now a temple of the Holy Spirit, Jesus living in me. Now, if my body is not my own, then what right do I have to stand on to make any concessions, to make any deals? To make a deal, to, to make a compromise, you have to have some right in which you're compromising with. You have to have some kind of ownership of what you're compromising, of what you're conceding, of what you're making a deal with. If I'm going to make a deal and sell my car, then I have to have some kind of ownership to my car. If I'm going to make a deal on my house and sell my house and make a compromise, I have to own it first. I have to have some, my name has to be on the mortgage. (laughs) The cool thing is, is that my name was once on this mortgage. (laughs) My name was once on this life. Ryan Holdeman. The problem is, is that I could never achieve it. I can never make the payment. I can never live to a satisfaction. I can never have peace. I was always depressed. I was addicted to pornography. I was, I was living miserable. I felt like I had no purpose and so then ended up suicidal. But Jesus came and I came to the revelation that he said it was finished, that he paid it in full, that he bought me with his life. And I was thinking about this earlier while Ray was preaching. God... In, in all of his godness, in all of the years, <laughs> eternity, that God has been around, I couldn't think of not one time that God made a concession. I couldn't think of one time that God compromised. There hasn't been one time in the history of earth that God has made a compromise, including buying me that he bankrupt heaven in order to buy me, that he gave everything that he had so that I could be bought and that I could live. Well, no longer I that live, but that his son could live in me. So I wanna challenge you. We're gonna do communion in just a moment. Who's living in your life? Are you making deals that you have no right to? Are you making concessions and compromises with yourself? And if that's the case, this is what I had to come to, that I just had to crucify me, I, who that idea that I thought that I had a right to make those deals and those compromises. I don't. I didn't put the scripture up there, but uh, I just, I was thinking about it while Ray was preaching. And it's funny that at the end of this book, at the end of this letter in Galatians 5, Paul puts it to us very plainly. When you are living a life where Jesus lives through you, he gives us some very good measurables. Because as humans, we do like to measure how we're doing. But the measure isn't, Are you going to church? The measure isn't, are you living up to a system and to a law? The measure isn't, how much money are you giving? The measure isn't, how good of a person you are. No, he gives us a very good measurable at the end of Galatians in chapter 5. And the measure is, 
are you living with the, these fruits of the Spirit? Oh, you know them. Love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Are you bearing those fruits? If your answer is with yourself, honestly, is no, then go back to Galatians 2 and say, I've got to crucify my old self. It's me that's living and not Christ. So that's where I want to land the plane. That's what I want to end with, is encouraging you to think, do I have those fruits in my life? In other words, am, am I embodying peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, self-control? And if the answer is no on, on one of them, then come back here to Galatians 2. And we just have to say, we crucify ourselves. That's what communion's all about. It is about that Jesus broke his body for me and as me, beyond recognition that the man that they put on the cross was not the man that they saw earlier that day because his body was so bruised and beaten and battered that the man that they put on the cross, they couldn't even identify him as Jesus. But he did it anyway, dying a death that he did not deserve to die. Why? So that he could live in me that I could be resurrected, that I could have a new life, that I could, that I could bear the fruits of the Spirit, that where I, where I have anxiety, I could have peace. Where I feel mean and shameful, I could have kindness. Where, where, where I'm confused, I could have wisdom. Where I'm hurting, I could have healing. Where I'm sick, I could be healed and made whole. And then he poured out his blood as a sacrifice so that where I have blemishes, where I am guilty, I could be made clean and made brand new. Christ lives in me. The resurrection power of Jesus lives in me. So as you take communion, ponder that. Pray that. And uh, communion is all about that restoration. It's not, it's not about holding a grudge, that God holds a grudge against us. But he's redeemed us. And he's willing to live in you this week. Amen. Would you mind standing up on your feet and let's pray.